psalmist says in a couple of different places, um, he daily, he loadeth us with his benefit. And then I believe it's in Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. And I'm thankful for those benefits from our great Savior. He, he, certainly, he certainly never does fail. That is a blessing. Appreciate the song. Brother Nate, I believe you wrote that song, didn't you? And then Addison, good job holding the mic. <laughs> because the reason that went well is because you did that. So thank you, sweetheart, for that. That's uh, all right. That's a blessing. Um, I don't remember the exact details of this. If you want to know them correctly, you should probably talk to Andrea. Um, as so often is the case with uh, little children, they sometimes think that they can negotiate or they can manipulate the terms of their obedience. You understand what I mean? Negotiation, like this is a hostage situation. Or um, manipulate, like I've got leverage on you. It's amazing how early that starts. That doesn't, that doesn't start at, at four or five. That starts when they're like eight months. You're like, really? Man, there's sometimes your baby is crying for no reason. Well, they're babies, I know, but they're learning early. Oh, if I make noise, I get this in my mouth. Oh, if I make noise, they hold me like this. Oh, it happens early. And if you don't deal with that, they're going to keep making noise. <laughs> okay, anyway, different message. But Jaren, Jaren, came, Jaren came down the stairs, and uh, at, at five, he's... He's refined. He's now an expert at negotiations. Actually, he's really not that good, as you're about to find out. Um, he came downstairs, and, and Andrea said, okay, you need to go back upstairs, and you need to pick up your room, which is not uncommon. And he said, but I want to I play video games. And she said, no, I told you what you're supposed to do. You need to go back, stairs, uh, go back upstairs and clean up your room. And then he goes like this. I will if you let me play video games first. <laughs> I love it when that happens because it always goes so well. <laughs> At least in our house, that is, that is really, really entertaining. And so I laugh about that. Andrea on the inside was laughing. Jaron didn't laugh. And Jaron found out he really doesn't have that much leverage. And so you say, well, what's, what's the big deal with that? That, that was a transgression. That, that was an intentional act of, I know what you expect of me, but I am going to do things different. I am going to do things opposite than what you're telling me. I'm going to do what I want. Now, here's the truth. We, we know what that's like, and we've all been guilty of that in some way. Where I know what God has laid out as his expectation for my life, but I want to do differently. And we live, we live in a culture that through comedy and through entertainment has created within Christianity this lighthearted approach to sin. As though we can just laugh about anything and let's just laugh it off and it's really no big deal. But what we're reminded of in this text is that there are certain behaviors and there are certain attitudes that God hates and there are certain situations that God will not bless. And though comedians across the world may make jokes about rebellious behavior, and entertainment may make light of it, and may make God's people think that this is just a normal way of living, God does not mock sin. 
God does not mock the intentional disobedience of his children. And in fact, it robs them of the ability to have his help. Now in our text, if Jericho was an imposing city, and it was imposing, Ai was an insignificant farming village. In verse number two, Joshua has sent men out to spy Ai and to get a lay of the land and to understand what the best approach would be and what was necessary. And their report in verse three tells us exactly how insignificant they viewed Ai to be. They said, only send, you only need to send two or 3,000 men. Now this is, if you want to do a little math, this is interesting. When they went into or they were preparing to go into the promised land, in the book of Numbers in chapter 26, they took a census of the number of men that were prepared for battle, and there were just over 600,000 men that were ready for warfare. So on a percentage, they're saying, these men are saying to Joshua, listen, the size of AI doesn't warrant full capacity. It doesn't warrant half capacity. About two or 3,000 would be half of a percent or less than half of a percent of our full capacity fighting force. And this is what they said. Just send two or 3,000 that all the people not labor. They'll go in and they'll smite it. They'll deal with it. And because AI is just a few people, and literally it's like this. We're just going to swat them off our backs like we do a mosquito or like we do a fly. It's amazing. It's actually stunning the presumptuousness they had about their victory with no thought for their need of God's help. You know what they were before they faced Jericho? The same thing that they were before they crossed the Jordan River. Aware of their helplessness. But after two major successes, they now begin to analyze things from a human perspective. We'll deal with this next week, the Lord willing. They could have avoided this catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. No, they could have avoided it. Joshua could have avoided it. His interaction with God in verse number six is incredible. They, They could have avoided it. But part of the reason they didn't avoid it is because they had this presumptuous attitude. It really doesn't matter. We've got this. We don't need his help. But we see the problem in verse number one that someone in Israel had behaved in a way that God had forbidden. Look in chapter six at verse 17, just as a reminder, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that, excuse me, she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So there would have been goods that you would have desired. As we're going to read about in a moment, there would have been clothes or possessions that you would have thought, having wandered in the wilderness for a long time. Man, it would be really nice to have something like that in my home. It would be really nice to put on a garment like that because you haven't had new clothes in a few decades. The text talks about how that God caused their shoes and their clothes to not wear out 
out. They've been wearing the same thing for decades. And so you start seeing these fine garments. As according to the text, these fine Babylonian garments. These nice threads and these good shoes. And you're saying, man, I would really enjoy some of that stuff. You need to understand, God is warning them. These things are accursed. This city is accursed. Not because of the possession. They're accursed because of the wickedness of their lifestyle. Because of their rejection of God, because of the godless ways in which they live their lives, including sacrificing their own children and killing their children in worship of false gods. This city is cursed for their sin against God. And for you to take these possessions is to bring the curse into your life. And so it ne- you need to keep yourself from it. And then anything that has monetary value like gold or silver or precious metal that needs to be brought into the tabernacle as an offering to God. Because let's be honest here. He's already blessed them significantly. No, stay with me. He's already blessed them significantly. It's not unreasonable for him to say, hey, this first victory, you're going to give it to me. You're going to give the, the wealth of it to me. So that was a clear command. Let me take you back to Jaron for a moment. Clarify the details with Andrew if you need to. She was not vague about what she expected. She was not ambiguous about what she wanted. Jaron couldn't say, I didn't understand. Have you ever heard your kids say, I didn't know what you meant? Because picking up the room changes definition based on your mood and your desire for the day. Oh, you, you meant everything. Because everything changes definition. Oh, you meant those Legos. Oh, you meant those clothes. Oh, you meant those hair ties. Man, girls and hair ties and bobby pins. Everywhere. I'm like, how are you doing your hair in all these different places? Not my wife. My wife's amazing. It's my daughter's. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, it doesn't. Our kids understand. Your children understand. When I say do this, you, you know what I mean. And, and there's, there was no ambiguity. There was nothing that was unclear about God's command. It was laid out with great specificity and understanding. They knew exactly what God expected. And they knew exactly what they, won't, they were not supposed to do. But here's the challenge. Please be honest about this. Many times, and I'm not talking about people who are not saved. I'm talking about people who are saved, know something about the word of God, know something about the love of God, know something about the will of God for their lives. Many times the, uh, the issues in our lives are not because we don't understand, simply because we want something different than what's been stated to us. You don't have to like that. I certainly don't expect you to be excited about it. But the reason for saying self-inflicted potholes, self-inflicted road bumps, is because many times in our lives we look at a command of God and we would love to be able to claim ignorance. We would love to be able to claim, I just didn't know what that means. But loving your wife as the, the definition isn't clear. You may not under, or the definition isn't confusing. You may not understand all the ways that's supposed to show up, but you know what it's not. Now, somebody say amen to that. 
honoring your husband and respecting him. You may not understand all the ways that's supposed to show up, but you know what it's not. Obeying your parents and submitting to them. You may not understand how you navigate every challenging situation, but you know what that means. Keeping yourselves pure and keeping your thoughts right and having a good attitude and loving one another. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, I understand we're not always going to like that, but we know what it means. This was not an issue of ignorance because God was clear. I am so thankful that God made this book clear. Like sometimes it's hard to understand. Yes. But there's a lot in here that's not hard. Sometimes we get so hung up on the things that we don't fully grasp that we use that as a reason to justify ignoring the things that we do grasp. Are you ready? Thou shalt not kill is not ambiguous. Not talking about, not talking about military defending our nation. Not talking about law enforcement officials protecting our communities. Oh, somebody say amen to that, please. No, I am talking about the wanton murder of innocent life. I am talking about taking life, whether it's in or outside of the womb. It's not, it's not vague. You know what else isn't vague? Thou shalt not covet. Thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's stock, thy neighbor's wife. No, I understand you may not like that, but it's not vague. My heart is grieved with so many of God's people who want to live their life as though we, we really don't know what God expects of us. That is intentional, that is an intentional excuse to justify and many times to cover up an appetite for things that we know God has forbidden in our lives. And here's the problem in Israel. Someone had behaved in a way that God had strictly and specifically forbidden. In, ch in chapter 7, verse 1, the instruction was ignored. A trespass, as I have said already, it's not, it is not a sin of ignorance. It's not a, you know, you know those sins of ignorance that, you know how suddenly the speed limit can change from 65 to 55 to 35? I didn't know. Sometimes. No, okay, I didn't say every time. <laughs> I did not say every time. Look, I got stopped one time. I got, I got stopped one time right by our house. There's a school zone right by our house. And I'm, I, I know it. I, I know it's there. And, and I do try to respect that. Um, I'm, I'm coming through. It's on a Wednesday I have a meeting at church, it's an important meeting, and I'm late for it, and I'm just, I'm not even paying attention, I'm not thinking, my mind's somewhere else, and I hit that school zone, doing like 10 or 15 over the speed limit, and I see a police officer, and I don't even bother saying, God have mercy on me, I just pull over, <laughs> and the police officer comes up, and he's pretty fired up, rightfully so, and this is what I said, sir. I am completely guilty. I know the school zone is here. I live right over there. 
He takes my information. He comes back. He's cooled off because he understands I'm not trying to play him in some way. And he says, look, it's a school zone, and there's kids out here. And I said, listen, you don't owe me any explanation. I'm guilty, and I know it. We need to stop acting like we don't know. No, you may not like. You may not want. You may want something else. You may desire something else. But it's not an issue of ignorance. And a trespass is when we intentionally do differently than what was commanded. Doing, doing what was strictly and specifically forbidden. Now let me make, let me make another distinction here and then I'll, then I'll move on to the main point. We all are guilty of making a bad decision in a moment. We are all guilty of making a bad decision multiple times. But then this is what, this is what happens. Isn't it wonderful when God convicts us or when we're confronted with it and then you see God deal with your heart and you begin to respond to him? We're, we're not talking about, man, I messed up, I did wrong, and, and now I'm trying to make it right. That's not the case here. Let me ask you a question. Did Achan try to make right what he had done wrong? No. You know what he did? He tried to cover it up. And God used the defeat of an army that should have never been defeated by Ai. He used that defeat to bring to light that sin. And so we're not talking about seasons or issues where you say, man, I did something wrong, but I'm, I'm trying to make it right. We are talking about the sin that we intentionally commit, and then we defy God in our hearts, and we say, I'm just going to hide it, and I'm going to cover it up. Look at verse number 20 of chapter 7. Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of Gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. It was an intentional act by Achan to disobey God and then to conceal it and to live his life as though he was living right. He was moving in the right direction and it wouldn't make any difference. Please get this. There are behaviors that God will not ignore in your life. There are attitudes and lifestyles that God will not ignore in your life. So Joshua sends 3,000 to Ai. They had no business losing to this army. But 36 people die. And a once confident people, their hearts are now turned into water. People whose faith stood like a mountain are now running like a stream. Because this is what they thought. This is no big deal. Here's the statement. The behavior that ignores, that ignores God's command will also be ha absent of God's help. The behavior that ignores God's commands will be absent 
of God's help. Remember this, please. We aren't, we aren't talking about, man, I sinned and, I'm, and I've tried to make it right. Please, everybody say amen to this. We've all done that. Don't, don't, don't have pretense. We've done it. I keep calling Brother Scott, Brother Mark today. I have no idea why. I've done it like three times. Brother Scott's been guilty of that. Brother Mark's been guilty of that. Jonathan Pyle's been guilty of that. We sin, we need to make it right. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. You know what we are talking about? When we know God says we should not do something, and then we try to claim ignorance, or we just think in our minds that, you know what, this isn't really that big of a deal, as some teenager would say to Brother Vi or to Brother Robbie on an activity when there's a rule that's in place. Well, what's the big deal about this? This really doesn't matter. Now, can I tell you why the commands of God matter? Because he gave them. And you don't have to like them, and you don't have to agree with them, and you don't have to always want them in order for them to be a big deal in your life. They are always relevant, and they always matter. And it doesn't matter what culture thinks about the expectation of the word of God. His laws and his expectations for our lives, they do not fluctuate with a culture that rejects him. So we're talking about those instances in our lives where we say, you know what, I know God says not to cross this line, but I'm going to cross this line because you know what, it's about time that I had mine, and it's about time I enjoyed my life, and nobody really knows, and this isn't really going to affect anything, and I'm just going to live my life my way, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep up the appearance in public, and I'm just going to dig a hole in my tent, I'm going to dig a hole in my life, and I'm going to bury this, and nobody's going to be any the wiser, and I'm just going to go out and I'm going to stay in church and I'm going to I'm going to do all the things I should do as a husband or as a dad and I'm just going to toe the line in all these ways and nobody's going to care and nobody's going to know and you are fooling yourself if you think it doesn't matter because there are behaviors that God won't bless oh you know what I'm thankful for God never stops loving you. God never stops loving you. But his love for you demands that he not bless every sinful thing you do. His love for you demands that he be consistent with his holiness. So let me give you three thoughts. Remember this statement, behavior that ignores God's commands will be absent of God's help. Let me give you three thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, we need the help of God in our lives. When we have God's help, in chapter six, walls come down. But when we don't have God's help, when we're living life without God's help, we are running, we are running scared from farm villages that we should easily be able to conquer. No, you need God's help when you're dealing with sickness. You need God's help when you're trying to raise your children. You need God's help when you're trying to navigate marriage. You need God's help when you're trying to work your career and balance it. You need God's help when you're trying to grow spiritually. You need God's help when you're trying to get plugged in and become a part of the life of a church. You need God's help in overcoming habits and overcoming challenges. You need God's help to be able to forgive. You need God's help to, make, to live in 
in a way that is going to be pleasing to him. We need God's help. As a church, if we're going to be a place where people can be refreshed, we need God's help. If we're going to be effective and relevant in communicating the love of God in a culture that is increasingly hating God more and more, we need God's help. And there's not an area of your life as a child of God where you're like, you know, I'm really okay if I don't have God's help. No, if you've paid attention to it, you've seen it where when it's obvious, man, I'm trying to obey God and do things his way. It's amazing the walls that he brings down, either outside of me or in me. But when I become dependent on myself and I allow sin to take root in my life, it's amazing how the easiest things become hard. And things that I should be consistent in, I struggle to do because I've let things into my life. You need the help of God. Well, God's going to help me. No, God always wants to help you. But he doesn't give you a free ticket to do whatever you want and then to expect his divine help and blessing on your life. We're not talking about your salvation. We're not talking about you being securely his. We are talking about the intervention and the manifestation of the way he wants to work in your life. And that is based, that is based sometimes on, his beha- on your behavior. Now, wait. Don't we have grace? Aren't mercy, isn't mercy new every morning? Yes. Yes. And none of us have his help because we're perfect all the time. But you cannot deny that in our lives we can either make things more complicated for ourselves or we can live in such a way in which God will work in ways that we need him to. That is a true statement. Old Testament and New Testament. We need his help. Number two, second thought. Sin in one area will always affect other areas. Number one, please get this down. Please get this. One sin always leads to another sin. Mm. Please stay. Please stay. Stay here. Mentally, stay here. You open the door to one sin, it's going to take you to another door that leads to another sin. Here, Achan, we're not, we're not dealing with the whole narrative this morning, but here was, here was Achan's first sin. I coveted. It wasn't that he actually did something. It's that he, began, he allowed himself to crave that which God had forbidden him. Brothers, my brothers, the males in the room, please look at me. You can't, you can't help it. All of the temptation that is thrown your way. But you can help what you choose to think about. And if you, th- if you have this in your mind, me thinking about it isn't hurting anybody. It's not going to stop there. Because if you think about it long enough without restraint, and if you dwell on it long enough without humbling yourself before God, that thought of coveting, that thought of lust is opening up another door to where Achan did what? He took it. Then you know what happens after you take it? You want to conceal it. One sin always opens the door to another sin, which opens the door to another sin. And we're going to get to this, to where your entire family can be wrecked at the end of chapter 7. Stay with me, but that's not it. Do you remember how many people died? Some at 36. 
Do you remember how the text describes this issue in verse number one? It doesn't say, but Achan. It says, but Israel committed a trespass against the Lord. Man, we love to think that I can just live my, such, my life in such a way that nobody is affected by the decisions that I make. But you are sadly mistaken. You don't understand how God created us to be connected to one another and how God created our lives to overlap with one another. And, and here's the truth. Isn't this wild that if I get a headache, it can, just, it can hinder my movement in my hands. It can hinder my movement in my feet. If I hurt my knee, which I have, it can hinder my movement in other areas, and it can affect my ability to do other things. You're like, well, it's just your knee that hurts. But pain or struggle in one area can affect the function of the entire body. And the same is true for the people of God. The same is true for your home. You're like, you know what? Me and my wife are having problems, but that doesn't affect the kind of parent that I am. Oh, it very much affects the kind of parent that you are because you can't possibly be right in your second relationship if you're not first being right in your first relationship you're like I can just neglect this and it doesn't matter no it does matter it does matter. You're like, I'm just kind of on the outskirts of our church family. It really it, no, it, it really doesn't matter. No, it does matter. And it, and it has an effect. And so you have 36 people who did not commit sin and yet who were held accountable for that. And you say, well, why would God do that? That's not the question. The question is, why would Achan sin and hide it from God, try to hide it from people? Why would Joshua go into a battle and not consult God like he did when he went against Jericho? Before, before we start complaining against God, we need to ask ourselves, why would we do certain things in our lives? And you want to you act like, we get this attitude, it's really not going to hurt anybody. No, no, look, pastor, pastor, I get it. I'm going to sit back for a minute, Mina. Pastor, I get it. If you messed up, it would affect, it would, it would have a really bad effect. I mean, I understand you're a sinner, pastor, and I understand that, that you have to walk with God and that you have to seek forgiveness and all of that. But if you messed up in, in a really serious way where you couldn't be our pastor anymore, that would really affect a lot of people. And this is what I would say. You are right, and sometimes you have felt that, not with me, but in other situations. But it's not just the pastor that can do that. And you're like, well, your life would affect more. So you mean the 36 lives didn't matter? You mean the lives of those people in your home don't matter? You mean the value is determined by the quantity? That's what you mean. Because that's not the way God sees it. And there were 36 families that had to mourn over a loss that could have been avoided. Now, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with this point. You're like, hey, sin in one area of my life doesn't affect every area of my life. Yes, it does. This, is, this has been true of me. I've had to apologize to Andrea for this. Babe, I was having a bad attitude about something else that I didn't want to deal with the right way, and it affected the way that I was talking to you. I've had to apologize to my children for that same sort of thing. You want to ask, 
No, 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 L- listen, listen, I can, I can get there and I can study and I can stand up here and preach and it doesn't matter what I have going on in my private life. Oh, no, 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 no. If I want the help of God in declaring the word of God, I better be submitting to him privately. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on over here because I can still perform my duties. You see what performing their duty without the help of God did, right? Number three, just because we've had God's blessings, just because we've had God's help, doesn't mean we are guaranteed his help in the future. Can you see him? I'm going to deal with this again next week. Can you see him? (laughs) They're around their council fire or whatever it was they did when they met back with Joshua, sitting there. Joshua, look, man, we just crossed the Jordan. Joshua, I I know they didn't use the word bro. (laughs) This is how I would have said it, bro. Bro chief. (laughs) Bro, we got this. No, really. You You see Jericho? We got this. Let's just send a half of a percent not even a full 1%. Let's just send half of a percent of our army. No problem. You know what they forgot? God's help can be lost. Well, are there other examples of that? Yeah, thanks for asking. You remember David standing over a giant? You remember that? That same David fell before the lust of his own heart. Kings were supposed to be out at battle. In fact, he even took time to go out there. But the same man who felt the help of God to conquer a giant found out what happens when we try to live by the power of our own flesh. Can I encourage you with this, West Valley? To our church family, it has been obvious, and I say this with great humility, it has been obvious that God is blessing and is helping our church. But if you think we are guaranteed that, if you think that we can't lose that, if you think that we, it's not possible for us to behave in such a way that God won't remove his hand of help and blessing, you are deceived about the way God works. I, I've, to, I've shared this with you before in different sermons. I heard this on the radio one time. I heard, I heard a radio host say this one time. America is too big and too powerful and too great to not exist. And it grieves my heart because much greater, na- or great nations have fallen before. Yeah, okay, I, I did. I'm not saying greater than, but if there have been other world empires, there have been other superpowers, and you know what's true of all of them? They all fell. And that that bothers me for America, because we think we can just do whatever we want, pass whatever laws we want, and as a people, have whatever attitude we want, and it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Okay, so that's America. 
but as God's people, we can get to thinking, you know, I've always had his help. You remember Peter? You remember how Peter walked on the water and then he started to sink and Jesus pulled him up? He should have remembered in the moment when he was standing there telling Jesus, everybody else can forsake you, but I won't. And then he ends up going out and weeping bitterly. Aren't you thankful God didn't leave him there? Yes. But many times we end up in that same place because we think, I'm just guaranteed God's help because of who I am, regardless of how I live. Look, look, I'm done. I have watched pastors plummet because they had this attitude. I'm too big to fail. I can live my life however I want. Doesn't matter. Oh, but it does. And if that can be true of a king, if it can be true of an apostle, if it can be true of a pastor, if it can be true of a, a common citizen named Achan, it can be true of us. Behavior that neglects God's commands will be absent of God's help. So you say, well, what do, what do we do? You confess. You admit. I've let some things go, God. And I need your forgiveness. And you know what happens? The same thing that he did for Peter. He restores you. You're like, well, Achan died. And we'll deal with that. But aren't you thankful for grace? So humble yourself. Stop acting like you don't have something. If you, I'm, not, I'm not trying to manipulate in any way some false response or some emotional response. But you know, young people, you know. Young men, you know. Moms and dads, husbands, seniors, the middle-agers, the young families, you know. You know if you've got something hidden in your tent. You that are watching online, you know if you've got something hidden in your tent. So don't, don't wait until something catastrophic happens. You know what we don't know? We don't know what might have happened if Achan had been convicted and confessed this to Joshua before they ever went and fought Ai. We don't know. You know why? Because that's not what he chose to do. He chose to wait until catastrophe hit. And then he humbled himself. And then it was too late for him. Don't wait. There is a God of mercy who sees in your tent anyway, so get humble. You say, I'm going through challenges already. Come get humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace. Gives grace to the humble. Father, would you help us to respond to you? Whether at home or here in this room, would you help us to respond to your work in our hearts? In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, eyes closed. In just a moment, Brother Nate will be singing.